You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have two very special guests with us, uh, Matt Totoriello and Kevin Shippey with Yellow Brick Management. And they have some pretty cool and unique and what I call interesting uh, property management practices that they like to discuss with us um, uh, on today's show. Um, they own a couple hundred um, apartment units as well as they uh, started to uh, flip uh, residential homes and correct me if I'm wrong um, in the Springfield uh, area. So welcome to the show guys. Uh, you could do a better job than me at introducing yourselves, but uh, figured I'd get, get a crack at it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, my name is Matthew Portrell, also kind of AKA the flipping landlord ninja and uh yeah, my name is Kevin Shippey. I go by the Property Prince on our YouTube channel. Um, yeah, Matt and I started off about 12 years ago um, with our first two-family uh, property here in Springfield. Just a, a rundown uh, fixer-upper would be a huge compliment <laughs> to it. A, a rundown property in a tough neighborhood, side-by-side uh, -side duplex. And since then, we, we reached actually our peak of owning and operating about 500 rental units. Yeah, ever since, and since then, uh, we kind of shifted as the markets changed, like you said, and started actually flipping uh, about 70 homes a year, doing some wholesale and retail as well. So kind of a mix of that. Just kind of waiting for the market to correct to kind of go back in and uh, buy some more. Yeah, and uh, so we're excited to be on your, uh, on your program here and, and really being able to talk and reach out to anybody in real estate so that, uh, you know, as I always say, we can help them avoid some of the many, many mistakes we've made over the years uh, and help fast track them to success. Excellent. So before we get into that a little bit, um, and obviously you started out with the apartments and you kind of pivoted to this, the single families. Did you just start that this year because of COVID or was that something you guys have been working on for a couple of years and you just decided to pull the trigger? So we actually started about three years ago. Uh, we partnered up with another gentleman uh, who's been in the business doing it for about 30 years. And he had a you know, wealth of knowledge. So we actually uh, kind of worked with him, started at the end of about 2016 and kind of grown from there. And uh, ever since then, we've just kind of been blowing that up. Uh, COVID has kind of put a little uh, stall on it, given that we were buying a lot of stuff at foreclosures. So that's kind of, you know, put on the back burner a little bit. We've been doing a little bit more renovations than wholesaling right now. So. Awesome. So yeah, let's get into, you have 12 years of experience. So let's get into some unique property management practices, specifically on the apartment side um, that you have in your lease agreements with, you know, multiple tenants, you know, 500 potential tenants of yours. Um, you know, I don't want to walk through a lease agreement specifically, uh, but just kind of give me some, you know, hot button issues that you guys, you know, put in your lease that may not be in every single landlord's lease that, you may find a little controversial. Well, I mean, I guess I could start off by saying, um, you know, we, we developed this one over, over some time of, uh, again, like everything else, we learned from kind of getting burned on things. And so this one, I would say we learned from, uh, from a decent amount of experience. And that is to say in our multifamily homes, it's two bedrooms, 
you know, I'm sorry, two family, three family, you know, fours, um, that tenants usually have access to basements. Uh, we don't do that. We don't do that at uh, really any of our multifamily properties. And um, a lot of people were really, really surprised to hear that when um, we put that out there. I mean, people from the city, you know, Board of Health. Um, the court system? The court system, uh, the judges overseeing court cases. They were uh, all really, really surprised to hear that. What do, you, what do you mean? Do you mean your tenants, the tenant can't go to their basement? And I said, that's exactly right. You know, um, and I can be happy to get into all the details of why. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things that they always kind of started off with, well, how do they get access to their circuit breakers? That was one of the biggest things that, you know, everyone kind of commented, what if they trip a breaker? They need to reset it right away. Oh my God. They've got safety. family, they've got kids, yep. you know, yeah. And that's, uh, so that right there is probably what anybody watching this video is waiting to pounce on me to say is all the circuit breakers are in the basement. Yeah, you know, how the heck are they gonna go to their, their fuse panel? And um, well, you know, we, we figured that out too. I mean, bottom line is, you know, the way I look at it, the way I explain it to people is that a, a circuit breaker, like a smoke detector, is a life-saving device. It, it's a device that's designed to, uh, to be triggered when frankly something went wrong. Um, and in this case, they get triggered when, you know, a tenant almost caused a, a fire, uh, too much uh, ampage going through the line and, and overheating, uh, overheating a wire and uh, they shut off. So in that vein of thinking, do you really want to entrust a tenant who did something like that to be the ones to ferret out the problem and then reset it? I mean, actually, that's true. We've actually taken over properties, uh, specifically in the Springfield area, where we found when we got to the basement, there were either a penny or there was some kind of wire that literally was rigged yeah. to hold the breaker on. I mean, the thought of a fire could have happened at any yeah. moment. That's insane. And, you know, we, when we had to ask these people, one of these people said, well, I don't want to have to freaking keep going back downstairs, you know, to reset the thing. Every time I use my vacuum cleaner and my toaster oven, the thing pops and I don't have time to keep going down there. So that's what I, I did it that way. You know? Well, especially in uh, mass specifically, uh, a couple of years ago, they changed the code and now you're required to have arc fault breakers mm -hmm. and, you know, just any kind of like, especially old vacuum cleaners will trigger it yeah. all the time. Sure blenders microwaves <laughs> as if as if most of our tenants vacuum i mean come on <laughs> you know how it is out there we know yes yes we but, do. Uh, but what else so the other reason why we kind of said that <laughs> um yeah so i mean that was that was a a big part of it um but you know it, that in itself when you think about it what's in a basement aside from the circuit panel that's uh, of incredible importance. Oh, you know what we forgot on the topic of the circuit panel. Um, if it's a three family house, think about what's down there, not just your circuit breaker for your apartment, but for your neighbors and your other neighbors. And we've seen everything. We've had neighbor disputes where somebody goes down there, they're mad at their neighbor and they just click, 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 start shutting off power to someone else's uh, apartment. That's a huge no, you know, no go. Right. Um, we've seen situations where they can't pay their bill. They don't pay their bill. Their power gets shut off. And somebody goes down there and gets a little handyman and starts splicing wires over. Oh, we've had that happen with multiple things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, right there, uh, two great indications of why you just, why trust a tenant with something of such importance. Uh, right. So how do you resolve the trip circuit breaker, by the way? So we actually set up an on-call uh, system where we're basically within uh, if at any 24 hours, uh, they can call, it then goes to our cell phones. So we get a text message saying so-and-so called emergency trip breaker, no lights, whatever it might be. 
And then we generally have a on-staff maintenance that can respond. Generally, we say within 24 hours, just like the electric company, but generally we're there within there within an hour or something like that to reset a break. Yeah, if I'm around, I'll stop by and take care of it. Even if it's at night, I'm watching a movie, I'll swing out and take care of it. So you don't have to have the on-call guy do it. Um, you know, but we, we set right from the beginning, the tenants know our practice, they know what our response will be, and they've accepted all of this before they took possession of the unit. So they know they don't have access. They know it could be up to 24 hours. It never is 24 hours, but it's up to 24 hours. Um, and they also know, what's my favorite thing, Matt? They also know what's going to happen next to them on their, uh, on their statement. Oh, and if uh, they're constantly doing it, we actually create a bill. Yeah, they're, the, they're getting a, they're getting a service charge for it. Yep, exactly. Uh, you know, they did something wrong. Our life-saving device was triggered because of their mistake. Look, not a, they're not a terrible person, but they did something wrong and it triggered a response. Um, so we do charge them a, a small uh, fee again, that they've agreed upon up front. As long as we found it was a cause. Obviously, yeah, if, you know, you know so there are the incidents where there may be a, a light fixture had yeah, a malfunction. Of course, of course. Wire, so if it's but, a tenant fault thing. Yes. And you know, honestly, our first, usually our first couple of, times with a newer tenant who's figuring out how the electrical load goes exactly we might we will probably waive those the first couple of times. yeah in the first month especially we're working with a lot of older homes uh most of the homes that we have are generally 80 100 years old yeah sure. uh most of it's you know newer wiring but still sometimes there weren't as many circuits back so even some of our buildings have still 60 amp services right. so it's often that they might trip something because all the overhead lights are tied to one or two outlets so they got all the lights on and then they're turning they're playing watching their tv and then they just happen to turn on the microwave or something like that and it trips it after the maybe the first month or yeah. so they get used to where they can plug in what they can't plug in it's not a big deal so yeah it's a great system. Uh, very surprising, but a lot of people don't believe and don't understand why we don't do uh, basement access and circuit breaker access. That's sure. why. Well, I understand. Well, I mean, besides that, I mean, one of the things that we, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've also come at, uh, when someone moves out, all of a sudden we have just hordes of stuff in the basement. Thank like, you. I mean, Thank I you. like 30 yard plus of stuff, Yeah. which besides the fact that we got to trash it out prior to that, you're looking at spots where the uh, mice and everything else can just kind of hide and stay warm, come in, and now they're nesting in maybe an old mattress that's sitting down there. Absolutely. Uh, Think about it this way, your board of health, your code enforcement departments, depending on where you live, they'll hit you, uh, they'll hit the owner because it's the owner's building, it's the owner's fault that yep. it's there. Uh, harborage for pests is yep. what they'll hit you with. Uh, fire uh, fire departments on their inspections, will look at it as a fire load issue. Yep, safety issue. Safety issue there. Um, so yeah, I mean, basements for storage, uh, no, absolutely no. Same with the garages, obviously, too. But what else did we have that was there? There's also in there. So I had some circuit breakers, storage. What else did Yeah, well, let's, let's ask him. What do, you, what do you think about what else wouldn't you want your, your tenants touching down in the basement? Oh, pretty much everything. Um, I wouldn't want them touching. Pretty much everything. Exactly. Right. Yep. Big time, right? So when you have a tenant that's not paying rent, you know, and it's wintertime, What's the first thing that they say when you got a bad tenant trying to play the, the free rent trick game? They say, oh, I don't have heat. I haven't had heat in months. Oh my God, oh my God. Why give them the ability to go down there and tamper with one of your most expensive pieces of your property? Why give them the ability to get themselves hurt on some of these expensive mechanical pieces of your property? Absolutely not. No good comes of it. You don't want them trying to fix it, relight that pilot light, blow up the place, tweak it so they get more free heat if you're including heat. Nothing good comes of that. They're not skilled uh, for these kind of things. And the worst thing is the people that think they are skilled. Well, tampering. which we actually had one, if you recall correctly, over on Johnson Street. Oh, yeah. All right, so we had a tenant 
that in the four family building that got access somehow to the basement and they had actually had their gas turned off. So they had no hot water, they had no heat. So they were actually kind of skilled. I mean, not exactly, but they were able to, they basically cut into someone's hot water line with pecs and ran it over and then cut it into theirs and backfed their line so they could have hot water. So now they're stealing hot water from another tenant. Insane. Yeah. 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 So a lot of reasons, no basement access. And and, and it it works. You know, if you set the expectation right off the bat, because a lot of people are going to tell me, and a lot of people do, they say, well, I would never rent from you then. I said, no problem. There's a dozen other applications in the file. You know, no offense, but I don't care. You know, this is what I'm offering. If you choose to take it, great. If you don't, also great. And if no one will rent from me, then clearly the market won't bear out my practices and I'll have to adjust them. But for now, I don't. I mean, I absolutely I don't. Say we have a waiting list. No. <laughs> yeah. And that's the key. It's a key, Kevin. You guys, you guys hit a good um, nail on the head is you're setting the expectations for the tenants up front, because if you don't do that, then there's a whole host of issues. Um, you know, I want to get your opinion before we move into a couple of other talk- topics is that, you know, someone may not have, you know, maybe they're just a, a local landlord, maybe they own a four family here and a two family there. And, you know, they don't really have an on staff handyman to kind of take care of those issues when they arise in the basement. So they might be a little bit more apprehensive number, I guess, how do you get over that fear, um, you know, to, you know, deny them access when their, ne- their lease is ready to renew or just to put you know, somebody new in there um, because, you know, and also, you know, if there's a washer and dryer in the basement in that same general area too, that they've, and that probably leads us to our next topic. Um, how do you mitigate that risk too, at least for the landlord? I mean, one thing I would like to say, if you do have a small landlord, especially in Massachusetts, I would highly recommend them actually looking at and getting property management themselves because there's so many minefields that they need to know about and avoid. Uh, we've actually taken over uh, receiverships for, I don't know, over 40 different properties in the general area where landlords weren't doing what they needed. They were just small landlords. Maybe they even lived on the first floor unit. They got a tenant that was kind of a professional tenant on the second floor and they almost lost the house. Yeah. Luckily, we were able to work with them, work with the banks so that they could keep the house, but they literally almost lost their house because they didn't know how to be a landlord. And if they just had hired a uh, property management company and paid maybe a hundred bucks a month or whatever it might cost. Uh, they could have saved so many headaches, hundreds of thousands of dollars of possible lost uh, value there too. So. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, and I'll jump in off of that, but I think, you know, what you had said is, you know, uh, how do you help somebody get over the fear of that? Uh, I would say, you know, if you've been renting, if you've had a few units or you've had your few units, a few years, uh, think about how many times, you know, you've had to deal with something in the middle of the afternoon or how often really a tenant, you know, maybe talk to your tenants, how often they've had to go down and reset a breaker or uh, really do any kind of maintenance themselves to a heating system. Really what, how often is basement access essential and how often it can be time shifted. I mean, mains don't trip on a circuit panel, a, a 15 amp breaker does. So by no means, you know, and again, I cringe because I know I get some pushback on this from people, but by no means is one 15 amp breaker in a hundred amp apartment an emergency. You know, nothing's going to explode. No one's probably going to die over something like that. If there was something medically essential in the apartment, 
probably can plug it into something else if you really needed to. So, you know, you can time shift that stuff. So if you're a landlord that's working, if you're somebody that's just managing a couple of properties, um, you know, finish your shift and get them on the way home two hours. And I'll tell you, a few hours without, uh, without that breaker being on and that tenant will probably be a, lot, be a lot more careful with their usage. And if they could just go down and reset a switch as if it was no big deal in the first place. So uh, it's really not that big of a hurdle. Um, at the very worst, you can deny basement access, see how it works out and then offer basement access again if you wanna go that route. But it's incredibly difficult for you to take it away once you've been allowing it. It's, it's virtually impossible for you to start restricting things that you weren't restricting before in the middle of a tenancy. So start out with more restrictions, you know, see how that goes. And if you have to lift restrictions, then it's much easier to do that. And for a smaller landlord, uh, one thing that they could do, for instance, if they, not to give access to their uh, tenant, but maybe the gas company needs to get access or something like that, having a padlock on that with a code, instead of them having to be there, they can easily, when the gas company calls, hey, I need to get in, great, here's the code. I mean, most of the gas company, electric company, cable company, something like that, but you know, they're generally pretty good and they have liability, so they're always protecting themselves anyway. Yeah. So. And in the event of a true emergency, you know, and the fire department shows up, your little padlock or your little uh, deadbolt isn't gonna stop them or slow them down at all anyway. So true emergencies, you know, aren't gonna be an inconvenience uh, to, the, to the first responders. Correct. Great, so let's talk about washer dryers. What's your stance on that? Well, yeah, I'm going to, you know, do you want to start with no, me? Yeah, All right. So, I mean, you, you did mention it. Um, you know, a lot of people have the washers and dryers in the basement and uh, you know, multifamily houses often have, I've seen everything. I've seen uh, multifamily houses with three different washer dryer setups. Um, but uh, I, I've also seen multifamily, like a three family houses uh, that have a, uh, you know, handyman installed uh, in unit uh, hookups. Um, so boy, I, I don't know where to start, but again, you're looking at um, so many downsides of having washers and dryers that it's probably easier to quickly lift, list the reason to have washers and dryers and, and allow them in your home because it, it adds value. You, you can usually uh, acquire and retain a better tenant because you're offering the amenity of having hookups or providing washers and dryers or maybe a coin-op on-site. Um, I'm more likely to stay in an apartment that has it uh, because, uh, you know, it, otherwise I'd move, you know, and maybe go somewhere else that doesn't because I'm sick of the laundromat. Um, so there's some good reasons to do it. Uh, we all know that, uh, you know, I just, my opinion and our experience certainly has been that the reasons not to do it just far outweigh them. And I'll tell you, first of all, the basement access thing, but in the basement, what are your washers and dryers hooked up to? Um, are they hooked up to an owner's meter or are they all hooked up to the poor lady on the first floor's electric meter? Um, you know, are they, uh, are they hooked up to your owner's meter and your, your meter is spinning like crazy? Um, you know, boy, if you're, not, if you're just supplying the hookups, you have the issue with other people using other people's machines and then settling those kind of disputes. Hey, your second floor tenant, they keep coming down here and using my washer and dryer or my clothes went missing, um, that kind of stuff. Or uh, everyone's cousin comes over and starts using it, and now all of a sudden your water bill is huge. I, in, at least in Springfield, water is quite expensive, water and sewer. And I mean, I think some of our properties, we've seen uh, four or $500 water bills in they, one month. You got, a, you got a machine in there, and boy, they have everybody in their family comes out of their woodwork, and they're doing the laundry for free at so-and-so's house. Now you have, you know, 
a people, bunch of people hanging out at your property just all day long while your water is just constantly going. And that's going to eat into your, I mean, bottom line, this is a business, you know, it's going to eat into your, your bottom line numbers. Uh, and that's not something I think anybody wants to see. Yeah. And I, thing, I think it's market to market because yeah. it, uh, more in the cities, almost every city that we're property have in the city, like Springfield, Holyoke, they're right around the corner. There's another uh, washer and dryer place. It's got free, you know, dryer. You can't use. walk down the street without tripping over a laundromat. Exactly. They're all over the place. So it's just, it's easy enough for them to just go down the, um, the street. So as if that's not bad enough, what happens when the washer and dryer hookups are in the actual units, one above another? So we've had it many times where they're not properly uh, hooked up. Uh, maybe they also use, instead of using a braided line, they use just a rubber line and it pops and now it floods down to your second floor, your third floor, destroying everything. And when you're like, oh, I'm you know, sorry that happened, but can you give me a copy of your renter's insurance so I can cover it? Renter's insurance? Nope. They didn't get the renter's insurance. And, you know, if everybody says, you know, I've had a multifamily house, I've had it 10 years, never had that problem. I mean, that's awesome. But you really only need to have that problem one time, man, uh, because that's going to hurt. Uh, not only, I mean, we had somebody that we, if we brought into court for uh, a non-payment of rent eviction case because they, uh, you know, they fell behind on their rent, they weren't paying, and, and we worked with them for the longest time, but eventually, you know, we had to really had to push this case along. And they brought up, you know, an issue that they had three years prior that we had settled and closed out that uh, they had some water that came down from the apartment above them and uh, said it. And just everything brand new for them. I mean, you know, and it all worked. It was fine. And we replaced it all for them, brand new, et cetera. But three years later, when we're in court dealing with a non-payment of rent case, they bring that up as something. It was a, a breach of warranty and habitability, yep. made this huge claim out of it. It offset thousands of dollars of rent yeah. uh, because of it. So even when you think it's a small issue and you resolved it and you patched the water damage and all that, it can still come out in, in various other ways. We've even tried coin ops in some of our buildings. We had a five family that we put a couple uh, coin op washers and dryers. Yeah, I mean, tell tell them the coin up story. Tell them. Tell <laughs> so uh, we got a call from one of our tenants at one point that said, you got to come down and check it out. There's something wrong with the washing machine. And we're like, okay. So we come down there. Besides the fact we've had it multiple times broken into first before thing, stealing. First thing that happens, they get broken into. Yep. And they, you, know, you kind of can easily jerry-rig it so you can actually trip it and just keep it running anyway and just flip it. Yeah. Uh, Worst case scenario, they're stealing your money. Best case scenario, they damage your machine so they can make it run for free. I yep. mean. So we get there and we open up the washing machine. And it's not a close, load of uh, clothes in there. There's a load of something else in there. And um, yeah, when you got to go, you got to go. go. <laughs> so, yeah, that wasn't a fun one to clean up. No, no, I didn't do that one. That we quickly good. at that point, we just ended washing machines and dryers at that place. Yeah. Uh, but coin up. Wow. I mean, imagine you think it's annoying getting a, a call about a circuit breaker or a clogged toilet at 11 o'clock at night or later. But imagine getting the call about, you know, your freaking, you know, and getting screamed at about your freaking washing machine ate my dollar. You know, I want my dollar back. Um, it's broken, uh, you know, it's jammed. I need to do my laundry at my work uniforms in there tomorrow. I can't go to work without it. I missed a whole day's pay because of you guys and your washer machine. Um, I mean, just nonstop. I mean, so again, weigh this stuff out and different people, it'll weigh differently for yep. 100%. If you're, you know, if you have, I don't know what to say, if you have good quality people, 
you can still have these problems or a lot of them. True. Um, so don't think just because, you know, they've been good before or they seem clean or it's a little old lady or whatever it might be that you're immune to these things. Um, you know, so the way I sell it a lot of times is, well, first of all, again, they know it going into it and uh, they have lots of options. You know, if they don't want to rent from us, no problem. I get it. You know, uh, you know, thanks for considering us, but I completely understand this is a deal breaker for you. I wish you the best of luck. I, the last thing I want is somebody to, to move in and be really apprehensive about doing it, but do it because they need a place because those right. people are going to move immediately as quick as they can find a better place. Right. And that's, you know, one of your biggest expenses trying to find another tenant. Yeah. You know, then another turnover and all this stuff, the amount of time, downtime and all that so stuff. I'd, I'd rather shave a few bucks off our asking price, to be yeah. honest. Um, you know, one of the things you can say is, listen, it's 50 bucks below market value uh, by renting here and you don't have a washer and dryer access, but tell you what, 50 bucks goes a long way at the laundromat and you can do what I do is uh, just drop your clothes off in the morning on your way to, well, hopefully work or whatever you do and then pick them up at the end of the night and uh, that 50 bucks a month covers your mostly a laundry bill and boom, we just did your laundry for free for you here at Yellow Brick. So uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Remove one more chore. You know, that's the way I look at it. That's great. That's great. Um, we have some coin op with very similar stories. We have homeless people sleeping in the laundry room. Very, very similar. I'm sure you've got that one too. Um, very similar. Um, this oh, yeah. for my audience too. And I'm sure you've had experience with this. Um, typically these companies won't come out unless you have at least 50 units at the property, but we, you know, they do offer the contract, uh, laundry services, which is yep. made our lives a lot easier. Let me tell you that. Um, basically it's, you lease appliances, you're, you're leasing your washer and dryers from a third party. They install, they, they give you an allowance to repair the room. And then the only caveat is you split the profits. So it might be worth it. It might not. They handle all the maintenance moving forward, and it's usually a long-term agreement. So they usually try to lock you in for at least seven years. So just when you, if you're trying to do anything like that, make sure you really understand the terms and conditions. Um, but we've found that to be a solution to a lot of the coin-op owner-owned machines. Um, but again, the property has to be big enough. So love to hear your thoughts on that. Exactly. Yeah, no, we would, we would love that, but we, we generally just don't really deal with properties that are that size. I mean, and a three-family house, yeah, it's just never going to be a reality. Uh, because again, those companies that do it, they know this nonsense goes on. They, they know this situation it just doesn't make it cost-effective for them. So, right. you know, uh, if the people that are in business to do washers and dryers for a living have connected those dots, you know, it shouldn't be much for the, the small landlord to kind of figure that out too and say, you, should, you know, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just rent to somebody who's perfectly fine with that. Exactly. Awesome. You have, we don't have too much time left, but you have any, you have one more interesting situation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'd like Let's to talk about, which we get a lot of pushback on. All right. So one thing that we actually have in our lease and we don't always enforce it, but no window ACs. Oh, right. Uh, and we get a lot of questions about that, but often what we found is the reason why we put it in there is because not everyone will take the time to buy the appropriate window AC. Uh, it might be something they found off on uh, the tree belt and they pick it up and they plug it falling down and they not properly mounting it. So it could you know, be causing uh, either leaks into the first floor or it could be uh, almost falling out or electrical hazard. I mean, there's so many things. Uh, we've even had uh, an issue with a tenant um, back on Wade Street. 
that, yeah. yeah. Want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Well, I mean, that was that was an example where the the machine was actually leaning inside, right? And yep. uh, it was actually the water was actually running back into the unit, and she had it in, in a window that was right in front or right behind a steam radiator. So she had a lot of water damage around the radiator, which she then tried to blame on us um, as you know a, a system problem with our property. Of course, that wasn't the case. Um, you know, she had some pretty limited uh, cognitive capacity. So she sure. was, she was, you know, um, but she, you know, we eventually had to take her to court to get the court to ask, you know, force her to remove the air conditioner because it was it was just destroying her home and you know uh, causing causing massive problems. Um, what did she do? Well, she took a bus to the court, bringing with her. What did she? No, that wasn't even. She actually also this same this same clown actually even also snuck in like one of those portable rolling washers, dishwasher, uh, 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 clothes washers in her kitchen. So we were dealing with the air conditioner problem and the clothes washer issue, and she shows up the court some, for some reason, uh, taking the bus with a huge box window fan, saying, "I don't have my wash a washer machine. Here's my fan." And we're like, nobody knew what to do. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the weirdest. It was just all very, very weird. Um, but, you know, we, we, as Matt said, we rarely do enforce the window air conditioner thing. But uh, can you imagine in the heating season, which we're getting into right now, depends on where you are in the country, but here the temperatures are dropping and we have a 16 unit building where we pay the heat, you know? So nothing is more of a slap in the face than to drive by my apartment building and see eight air conditioners, you know, kicking out of windows all over the place saying, you know, we're, our heat's literally blowing out of these open windows. And nothing, I'll tell you, to be honest, nothing pisses me off more than fielding a call from some person who is behind on their rent and then has the audacity to complain about it being too cold in their apartment when it's 70 degrees in there. And I go out to the property and they got two open windows. With air conditioners. They're like, well, it's not open. If there's an air conditioner, I'm like, really? You don't Amazing. think air is getting through? Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, really so much of successful property management we found because we weren't successful for a long time <laughs> uh, is, is through, you know, knowing these scenarios, coaching the tenants from the beginning. And then every time, every little thing, it's just like an NFL playbook. If they, if they do this, you immediately do this and this, you know? How do you respond to this? What do you say to them about this scenario? And every single thing has a reaction that's scripted and ready to go, uh, very well rehearsed. You know, there's literally, I, I say this every week, there's literally nothing you can throw at me from a tenant that I haven't heard before. And then of course, something new comes up. But How about the heat real quick? How do you, how do you regulate your heat? If you're paying the heat, one heating bill or a couple heating or all the tenants heating bills, um, what do you guys do? I know what I do, but I want to know what you do. So we've done a couple different things depending on uh, the building. Uh, so we have our 16 family where we actually individually zoned each unit and then we put uh, a regulated thermostat. So in, Ma in Massachusetts, the code is 68 during the day, six, uh, 64 at night. So what minimum. We, minimum. minimum. Uh, so what we decided was we bought a 72 regulated thermostat so they can only push it up to, you know, 72. Um, but this way it's above sanitary code. They're happy. At least we hope they are. Uh, and, but it keeps our bills uh, down and without them tricking it. Uh, and we do that in the, most of those larger buildings for our smaller buildings where it might be um, one heating system for maybe a three family or something like that. What we've done is done little zone monitors 
that goes down to a thermostat that then takes the average temperature and kind of keep balances it out that way. Yeah, it's, it's tough, but we, we found that, um, you know, especially in the individual apartments with the, he called it a regulated, but I would call it a limited thermostat. Yeah. So they do have control over the thermostat. They can crank it up or down as they see fit to suit their comfort levels, but it maxes out in the seventies. And that's literally how I describe it. I said, listen, a lot of places you move in, the landlord controls the heat, you're stuck with whatever they want. Here you have full control over it. You can crank it up to the seventies. You know, I think it caps out at like 72, which if you've ever paid your own heating bill, no one's cranking their heat above 72 if you're paying your own heating bill. So, you, you know, that's pretty reasonable. And, uh, you know, that has resolved most of the issues that we've ever seen uh, with it. The best well, is they, they see the temperature. Well, that's it. It's also a digital. Uh, often you see those little, little uh, round ones. That it's always hard to tell when you call them up. Well, what is the temperature? Oh, I don't know. The top says maybe yeah. 70, <laughs> 74. I don't know. And the bottom says something else. No, no, no. We just give them a nice digital readout. Yep. What's it say there? It says set set to 72. Okay, great. And what's it currently temperature room? Oh, it's 70. Okay, you're okay. Yep. Relax. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, would, we would get a lot of calls. And that's one of the first things we do on our troubleshooting when we, when we uh, interact with the tenant on it is, do you have one of those white digital display thermostats? Yup, yup. Can you walk over to it and stand in front of it? Yup, yup. Without touching it, what does the display say? Well, it says 72. I'm like, okay. I'm like, so that's telling me that the temperature in your home right now is 72 degrees. And of course they all say the same thing. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, feel like, like 72. 72. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, they, they, it gives them the ability to see it and it, it just, it does knock out so many uh, calls that we used to get. So now we have had an incident once with one tenant that was, I have to say, I give her credit. She was pretty smart. She took a frozen hot dog that's a, that's a, and put it on top of it to kind of trick out the yeah, thermostat. You're going to get some of that. But honestly, rarely that happens, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. And they got to keep up with the frozen hot dog. It's exactly. going to thaw. I mean, you know, so the, the, the exploiting of it is, is a lot less than, than, yeah. I mean, you're always going to have people that are going to walk all over you no matter what you do. The trick is to identify them and start churning them out, you know, start, try, start trying to broom them out with a non-renewal or just, you know, other methods to, uh, you know, legal and appropriate methods to, uh, to, to, you know, make sure that they start looking for another place. Right. Absolutely. Another one, if I could plug this in as well, what we do, um, the kind of contrast to what you guys do is we have for the owner paid, it's called the landlord stat. So you can, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen that before where it's 72, but then it'll reset in you know a few hours so if they leave it on 72 it'll actually go back to 64 65 um but it'll keep the 72 on the screen so it it's like a programmable automatic oh, <laughs> so, it's you know that, i think that you I guys are doing it the right way we don't i know we're gonna have to yeah, you guys are doing it the right way where you explain to the tenants, say that's 72 is pretty reasonable um some tenants may not like that so um you know, it's just another, it's just another method. Yeah. Um, also the programmable ones. So for example, where I am in New York, New Jersey, it's 68 during the day and then 65. So we're pretty similar. So as soon as 11 o'clock hits on a couple yeah. of my buildings, it resets to 65 automatically and then it caps there. So, um, and then, and then I put a, one of those glass uh, boxes over it because it's in the basement. So yeah. if the tenants ever get in the yeah. basement for some reason, they can't change the key because I always, I lock that key up and I just, I just keep it there. So that's another situation. I'm sure you guys have done this before. So um, interesting stuff. Very interesting. 
Um, Matt and Kevin, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this has been a, <laughs> been a pretty funny show because as, as you sit here telling me stories, I sit here and I'm, yep, heard that, yep, heard that. So uh, very, very interesting stuff. How can people find the two of you? Well, you know, we would love it if, if you uh, got people to come out and checked out our, our new YouTube channel. We've been trying to post content uh, at least weekly, if not a little bit more. Um, we uh, have it called Two Guys Take on Real Estate. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's full of, uh, it's full of, we're full of it. So it's full of us. And uh, just talk, kind of going over some of our stories, um, you know, some, some of our rants and uh, just babbling into the camera and hoping that people find it valuable. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. I'll have a link to your website and your YouTube links in the description box for the iTunes and on all of our social media platforms. So we'll have a chance to uh, reach out to you guys and, um, you know, definitely learn more about you. So again, appreciate you both for coming on the show. Yes. Thank That's you. Awesome, no, thanks, thanks very much. We appreciate it. And by all means, if, if you have, uh, you know, if you're on the channel and you have any tips or tactics or, or topics you want us to talk about more than happy to, like I said, this is our new little uh, pet project here. So, uh, you know, feel free to be interactive and we'll be happy to give you anything you want for content as well. Excellent. Thanks again, guys.